What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? On this one, we catch up with our friend from the Lebanese Rugby League, Mr. Nayef Abisad. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 85 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Before we catch up with Naif, my man, my friend, the big guy, the voice that you're all here to listen to, <laughs> the biggest tiger, Tigrove, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I mean, Digital Tigrove, you know, I'm, I'm all over the world at the moment, everywhere but Sydney. Um, yeah, Tigers across the world. The uh, Yeah, look, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling great. Uh, rugby League's still here. It's still clear. It's uh, It's... Has so many different things happening all over the world. I thought, I I mean, thought you were going for another rhyme. Near, clear, dear. No, I left it alone. <laughs> well, I watched too much Simpsons, so I was going to say near, clear. We don't want any more bears, but <laughs> but um, but everybody knows I'm a big Bears fan. Look, I'm good, man. You know how we always talk about the NRL? The NRL has a constant soap opera storyline. There's always something happening. Well, that's what Australian media always talks about. There's always yeah. something crazy happening. Yeah. If they just took a step back and saw that rugby league's more than the NRL, they'd see that there's actually a trillion stories that are all happening positive and uh, dra- dramatic that happen all over the world. Like we're going to get to some of our golden points, but um, I'm loving it, mate. I- I'm-, I'm excited to see all of the things that are happening, all of the New South Wales Cup things are starting to wrap up, the NRL starting to wrap up, some of the uh, European things are starting to gear up. Feeling yeah, good. It's sensational. We saw. Um we saw Serbian Rugby League kick off over the weekend mm-hmm. once again, which was great. You, you mentioned a few. I'm, I'm hoping the NRL, like I'm done with the NRL, like bring on the semi-finals now. Our teams, are, <laughs> our teams are done. Just bring on the semi-finals, and that's it. We don't need. We can sort of fast forward the next two weeks. But you mentioned as well the the Tigrove, the Tigers, uh, the Lay Tigers from Digicel Cup, mate. Yes. And spoiler alert: they, they they lost their first game of the season. But if you haven't listened that's to it. if you haven't listened to Matty Church and his uh, Digicel Cup wrap up. Hit pause, go back, do that five minutes every week, and it's coming to a conclusion. We've just uh, one more round to go after this one, so they're they're almost at semi final time as well. But yeah, the Tigers, I think we jinx them, mate, because we've been talking about. No, 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 no. You, you don't think so? <laughs> no, no. This is uh, everyone always loves the loss that we had to have, and so that was they just needed to uh, you know get a bit of hunger back in their belly because it was too easy. Well, and so this is a good one. I was kind of hoping they'd go, they'd wait one more week before they lost, because of course your Tigers are playing <laughs> my team, the Port Moresby Viper, yeah. to close the season before the finals. And I, I'm almost like I'm hesitant to do this because I normally only make sandwich bets when I know I'm going to win. But uh, <laughs> I'm not confident about this one. But Matty Church has pretty much challenged the challenged us to the bet. Oh yeah. And I think it's yeah. got to happen, right? Sandwich bet. Tigers. hundred percent. And this is the Tigers have now just given you. A, they've opened the door. So this, you know, this is a chance. There's a chance that you win. So the Heller Wigman have shown the rest of the PNG Digicel Cup how to beat the Tigers, and hopefully Port Moresby Viper were watching. Now I think, I think if I if my memory of uh, Maddie's podcast last week it was the Tigers had the best attack but the second best defence, and they played the team with the best defence. 
But I think the fourth best, best attack. So defense wins premierships, we've been told over and over again, and it might be happening right now in the Digital Cup. But you said before, gear up. And I just want to point a quick spotlight on how pretty you looked today on Instagram in all of your um, <laughs> Italy gear. You were geared up today as well. Mate, uh, just showing support for, for the heritage, for the family. Yep. And uh, it's pretty cool. It was not nice gear as well. So big thank you to... So I think we mentioned it last week as well, but thank you to Furla and Furl and, and all of, all of Leo and Orazio and everyone there for um sending me some Italian kit. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll wear it with pride, hopefully. Well, hopefully you've got your Filipino kit as well from, from the Filipino guys. And mm-hmm. if they do end up playing a test match later this year oh, or yeah. probably next year, we'll have to get out there and uh, kit up and, and have another sandwich bet. And uh, if anyone's sitting there super jealous about all of the great international merch we've got, you've just got to go to mascotbrands, mascotbrands.com.au, 2020 Vision for some dollars off. Support such a great um, company and and great cities, uh, great countries all around the world. I love, um, I love how you did that big push thing. The like you've been, you've been my co-host for almost a year. It's almost <laughs> the end of the season. Like we're probably going to wrap up season two very soon and get ready for season three, but... Like it's normally we like sneak in mascot browns wherever we can, but I feel like you were very planned this week and 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 Phil Thanks, and Steve mate. from mascotbrowns.com, mascotbrowns.com.au <laughs> will be very happy. Well, also I've uh, I've recently had Steve chat to me privately in the DMs, not just in a group, <laughs> so that made me swoon. You and Phil, go- you mentioned that every Phil- week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited by it. Yeah. And uh, and Phil also messaged me privately uh, during the, on the weekend asking me if, you, if I wanted to come to the football with him, which Did was so lovely. Did I mean, you go? Well, I went away this weekend without the family, yeah. so I felt compelled not to take Thursday night off as well. So, But uh, he was very lovely about that. And, and I told him that I'm actually much better company when I'm not watching the Tigers, so I'm happy to go and watch Manly play or whoever he wants, other go. than the Tigers. It's a date. The nicest yeah. man in rugby league, making friends all <laughs> over the world now. Biggest tiger and mate. Uh, speaking of friends all over the world, I got the to world, sit, yeah. I, I got to sit down with one of my good friends a couple of weeks ago, and it's the chat that we're going to listen to tonight um, after our golden points. It's uh, Nayef Abisad. So you might remember him last time we spoke. It was the official International Rugby League podcast episode one. So if you want to go back, listeners, if you haven't heard that yet, it was it was out last October. It was bet- it's actually on our chasing kangaroos list on our um on our back catalog between episodes 40 and 41 you'll find the six episode short uh, mini series the international official international rugby league podcast Mm -hmm. and on that first episode we spoke to naif abisad um the the ceo the president the man of uh, the lebanese rugby league federation over there and um, look, we had a great chat. I-, I was amazed back then. He was he was part of like an ensemble cast. We had we had a few others as well, but I was very impressed by Naif because back at the time, you might remember Big T, but it, there was there was a bit of a storm going on with Lebanese rugby league on a national front yep. and on a domestic front as well. So a lot of the her- there was a bit a few domestic issues over there between the clubs, and there was some there was a little bit of controversy in clubs like not agreeing with the the federation and there was just a bit of miscommunication between a couple of parties and the Lebanese heritage players over here led by Roberto Ferrar and a few others they um <laughs> they sort of they were boycotting parts of their jersey like they wrapped bandaged up part of their jersey yeah, and things like mm. that there was a lot of controversy but and and I didn't know what to expect when I first met Naif but he handled himself very well he explained everything very well there was no animosity between he and and the heritage players, he was he was actually like quite calm about the whole situation, handled yeah. himself well, and explained it all very well. And I was just so impressed, especially for a guy who like English is his third language. He did very well, and 
you know, it was great to sort of catch up with him again. Unfortunately, the circumstance is not so great. So our, our listeners will be aware of the um, the explosion in Beirut not not long ago. And basically what happened was like the Lebanese Rugby League have put together a GoFundMe page uh, to support first responders after that Beirut explosion. So I reached out to Naif to see if there's anything we can do to help. And we decided to, it was a good opportunity as well to catch up and talk all things Lebanese Rugby League. So this episode's all about that. We're going we're gonna to push that GoFundMe page. You'll find the link in the show notes. We'll talk about it a little bit. And Naif will tell me a little bit about his story, what happened, because he lives very close to where the explosion was and very lucky, I suppose, um, not to have any family members hurt or anything like that. It was, it was would have been a very devastating time to sort of be in the area. Uh, but we spoke about that and then we went on to speak about all things domestic and, and national rugby league for, for Lebanon. So really good chat. I really enjoyed it and I'm glad um, the listeners and yourself, Big T, are going to get to listen to, to that tonight or today whenever they're listening. Exciting. You want to do some golden points, sir? Mate, let's do golden points. And I think tonight it's more going to be like golden discussions because there's, there's really two golden points, one each, and there's some big things happening in rugby league. But I will, I will remind our listeners, if you're not following along already, follow Chasing Kangaroos on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because if you like our golden points, you'd love following along because there's so much more that we can't possibly fit into these, these short intros you know, that's on our on our socials, so follow along and, and learn more about the world of rugby league. But Big T, why don't you start us off? Yeah, mine isn't a big discussion. Mine is an extra little one. So should I start with my little one or do the little one at the end? Yeah, do the little one. Go for it. Do both. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a bunch of little bears. So first of all, Golden Point to the Northern Territory. And so the Litchfield Bears, which is my favourite club on the whole of Northern Territory, they're celebrating the 30th year, have just finished their weekend. And as we all know, the local football's wrapping up and so they have a whole bunch of teams that are either made the grand final or just about doing the grand final under 18s under 12s b grade a grade they've got two girls teams 15s and 17s wow they've got under 12s and under 14s all either in a grand final or just about to make the grand final and speaking of bears that are doing a great job our favorite north new south wales team the north sydney bears just smashed the western suburbs uh, rugby league football club the devils uh western suburbs devils 44 nil um, so they're now semi-final bound. And the North Sydney Bears women's team also unfortunately beat my West Tigers team in the women's, having on a women's premiership. And so they are also one game away from a grand final after a 16-4 wins. The Bears are doing it all over Australia at the moment. That's crazy. Bears everywhere. That's incredible. And don't tell our mate Albi Tellarico that uh, the North Sydney Bears are your favourite New South Wales team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine and you like the Jets, and so we've covered everyone. There you go. All good. Sounds great. Yeah. Let's go the Sorry, go the bit, but go the Bears in those lower grades. Everyone yeah. loves them. Yeah. What else you got, man? Well, I want to talk about as a global ambassador. I want to talk about Toronto. Yeah, big one. Yeah. What have you seen? I mean, I saw a bunch of different open letters that have been penned. One um, really like impassioned one by Josh McCrone, but. What's the vibe there? Because I didn't. I think I've missed everyone actually now turning off the David Argyle. When did that happen? Where have you been, mate? <laughs> but um, no. Well, I, I knew that. No, go for. What did you know? Tell us what you knew. Well, I knew that. Um, I knew that he couldn't keep going. But uh, but I thought he asked the Super League if they can give them some cash money, and they said no. And so he was just like, "Well, I can't keep going with the. I can't keep just making stuff happen without anyone." Um, without any money coming in. So, sorry, guys, we're going to need to pause. David Argyle basically walked away from the club. Well, not walked – well, yeah, he sort of disappeared. And um, I think I told you this, Big T, but I actually reached out to him when this all started to to see if he wanted to be on the show, and he said yes. 
Um, but then he disappeared, and I was like, didn't wasn't sure where he where he disappeared to. And it turns mm. out no one really sort of knew where he was, and he's sort of like yeah disappeared from the world of rugby league, I suppose. But this is where I guess the there was the three, four, five. Um, new consortiums that were looking into purchasing. I remember well. that. So you've seen all yep. that. You saw like New York yep. come in and out and there's I, people. I remember you telling me last week. Yeah, I remember me asking last week if it was going to be New York or the week before and you said, no, it's this other consortium. So I remember that all happened, but I just thought we all still liked David Argyle. He just couldn't make it happen anymore. Well, what's, ba- that we don't. what's basically happened is there's a, there is a, the, well, the Wolfpack have their preferred consortium um, mm-hmm. bid. They've all been introduced to the RFL and it's all been made quite public now, which is good. So it's Carlo Lavalsi, I think his name is. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but big businessman. Have, did you, have, you, have you heard anything about this guy? Uh, not, not that I haven't just kind of read in the newspaper briefly, but uh, I mean, I know him as well as I know David Argyle. So what do you know about him? So Carlo is basically a bit of like a beauty... Uh, a beauty product like multi-millionaire. So he like it helps, I guess, manufacture. He owns companies that manufacture and import products all over the world, like imports into Woolworths in Australia and places in the UK and the US, of course, as well. Um, they're North American based. And um, he was, as far as I'm aware, he was an original shareholder in the Wolfpack as well. So he was friends with David Argyle as well, but um, not too sure what happened there. But he's sort of come in with his new company and, and save the day. So it's now up to the RFL and the Super League to see if they are if they're going to let the Wolfpack back and under what conditions. Yeah, but he's he's quoted saying that he's he's choosing not to speak to David because of the things that he did. Like he's really really angry with him. I think a lot of people are. Like you saw the open letter from Josh McCrone. You mentioned it earlier. So you know a lot of players haven't been haven't been paid. So I guess there's mm. like ever since this sort of happened, the first. I, th- I feel like the first reaction was, oh, no, this is terrible for, like, yep. an expansion club to go down. Then the second reaction was, like, oh, holy shit, like, it's a bit of a mess. Like, financially, this hasn't been handled right, and people started to uncover some things. <clears throat> then after that, it became about the players who weren't getting paid, and, and you know, we've seen um, a few distressed players who are now slowly getting contracts elsewhere, which is a good thing. But now Carlo and his company have come in as, as the the preferred group, the preferred perspective new owners and um it does seem positive now it just we need, yeah. to, we need to hope it goes the right way so big t what do you hope happens now that um carlo and the new group are talking to the super league and the rfl well from my understanding they're, they're going to try and pay all of the commitments for 2020 which is already amazing that they would buy this company and then and then pay everyone that hasn't yet been paid so i love that um I really hope that they have a bit of a Warriors moment. You know how the New Zealand Warriors had to go through all this stuff and then they banded together? Yeah. One thing that Josh says in his open letter is that he feels like he's part of a family and even after all of this craziness and turbulence, he calls it, he really wants to stick strong with the Wolfpack. So there's a very good chance that the this fans and, and the football department come together and, and really build something great out of this and hopefully – you know, make a finals run next year just to try and make a, a bit of a fairy tale thing out of it. What, what are you thinking? I've no doubt that the fans will will back them and get behind them. And um, it was good to see Josh McCrone come out in support of the new administration or potential new administration. He said he'd happily lead the team as captain in 2021. It'll be interesting to see what's left of their player roster. Like, does Sonny Bill come back? Do, does Ricky Latelli come back? 
do does Blake Wallace come back? Like who's left? You know, and if if some of those players are now gone, then how are they going to rebuild a roster in time? It's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens with COVID next. Like presumably, it may still be difficult. When we spoke about this before with Ottawa Aces as well, it may still be difficult to travel from Toronto to to the UK next year so that's something to consider what will happen what will plan b be where will the team be based and all that those sorts of things if they can compete but the big question really is like what's super league and the rfl going to do like will they feel the need to punish toronto wolfpack for pulling out of the competition this year because that's that seems to be what like people are calling for a punishment right but i like i kind of disagree with the punishment because i feel like the circumstances that they faced are so different to anything else. And it's not like it's not like they pulled out in a normal season. Like they pulled out in a COVID season where financially, you know, obviously there was some financial difficulty already and there was a bit of financial mismanagement, but it really all came to shit for one of a better word when they couldn't play home games and things like that. So yeah. I think a few things need to be negotiated. I think, I think um, Carlo has has been quoted to say that they want things to be fair. If, you know, they want to be able to earn their share of TV rights and things like that as well, or they want other teams to pay their own way to Toronto and things like that. So, look, it's going to be interesting to see where those negotiations go. It may very well be that Sky Sport, the TV rights holders, are the ones that sort of decide, hey, we Toronto and expansion is very important to us and to this TV deal. So, therefore, if you want our money, you need to bring Toronto back. That's a realistic possibility that something like that mm. could happen, but it might be just as possible that they get relegated back to the championship as some form of punishment. So, mate, to be honest, I don't know how it's going to go down, but I definitely feel, and I know you were positive the whole way through, big man, like you always knew that, or you always felt in your big heart that some, some, <laughs> that they would be back in some capacity. I, at least at the moment, feel better about all of this, and I think that the Toronto, you know, while I may have thought a few weeks ago that the Wolfpack may be dead. Um, they seem to have been resuscitated and I feel like they're back and whatever the whatever the challenge is ahead, I think they're going to go on to bigger and bigger, better things once again. Yeah, I'm with the pack, I'm with them. That was a, bit, that was a very long monologue by me. I've never done that before. No, well, it's also because you're a very smart, insightful young man and we're all really here to hear you. Thanks for calling we, me we young. Listen- See, when you called me young, everyone said no. Nah. He's, Big T's lying. He's joking. He's got no idea. No. They saw you and your amazing hair on your Instagram feed. We all know that you're a young man. Uh, good job. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, I'm technically winning 2-0, big guy, so you better well, run with something. Well, I've got a golden point. And look, my golden point, like I said, it's a golden discussion because there's probably like four or five mini golden points in here. So I'm, I'm going to – I'm gonna. it's, it's going to be enough for me to, to take it out, mate. But um, <laughs> golden point Europe – so the RLEF annual gen- general meeting took place over the weekend via Zoom. So 30 nations got together via Zoom, uh, which was, you know, the way of the world at the moment. Zoom doing some wonderful things. I feel sorry for Skype sometimes. I really missed out on the business opportunities. Yeah, you're right. And that was a much bigger thing before. I mean, Skype was a thing. And yeah. then all of a sudden, just the Zoom just launched at the exact time that we all needed to drink over. It was crazy. Right I never place, thought right, of that. Right place, right time for Zoom, I think. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's a discussion for other podcasts maybe. But the RLEF AGM um, happened and 
quite a few things came out of it. There was there was there was some interesting discussion points and some some interesting elections and votes and things like that. But um, I'll, I'll start off firstly and stop me at any point, Big T, and and interject with your comments. But basically, the first thing to. the first thing was the um, higher domestic quotas for European tests. Was uh, there was a motion put forward by the Serbian Rugby League um, for that, and it was it was voted in by an overwhelming dis- response. So basically, what this means is that we're going to see when it comes to like Euro A, B, Cs, and D sort of levels, we're going to see more domestic players instead of heritage players, especially the lower down that you go. So obviously, at that A level or that World Cup level for European sides you're going to see more heritage players because it's important that professionals play against professionals. Otherwise, we have all sorts of things like injuries. But the lower down the scale you go, we're going to see more and more domestic players. So it's going to be fairer. So basically, the the nations that develop their talent uh, are are going to be rewarded as as opposed to those who, you know, rely heavily on domestic players, which is going to be better for some than others. But it's definitely going to encourage more domestic activity, domestic development, and that's really what we want to see out of Europe, especially at the moment. Especially if you're part of that European league that they've just started, Euro 13s, it's it's going to be good for those people because they'll have a lot more domestic games that are happening. Euro 13s, interesting. It's it's interesting you mentioned that. I um. I wasn't sure if we're going to talk about this tonight, but I feel it's. I haven't heard anything about Euro 13s for a while. They've sort of been on the quiet side, so their social media has been a little bit quiet. And um, I've asked a few questions here and there privately, and haven't had much of a response. So I'm not too sure what the story is with Euro 13s. To be honest with you, big man. Uh, it's the uh, it's the wolf pack of Europe, mate. It'll come good. <laughs> Maybe. Look, Just I'm not. Be patient. Look, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but I don't know. Look, I'll be like we laugh about it, but to be honest with you, like I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not going to call a time of death on it, and I hope we hear about something soon because you know there was some positive things about it, and you know the concept was good. But um, the longer we don't hear anything about Euro 13s, the more concerned and worried I am for the concept. So, but we'll see what happens, and hopefully they, um, hopefully they're just being quiet because they're very busy trying to organise some things. But, mate, back to the uh, the RLEF AGM. And there was a couple of um, board spots up for election. So congratulations to Graham Thompson, friend of the show, who remains on the board. And you can he's definitely a friend of the show. You can listen to him on episode 45 for season season two, the first, I think it was the first episode with you as a co-host, Big big T, apart from our double header. But season, episode 45, it was called 2020 Vision. So go back and listen to oh, that yes. if you haven't already. But Graham remains on the board of the RLEF. So congratulations, Graham. Unfortunately, friend of the show also, Red Star Belgrade boss, Colin Clayweg, he just missed out on uh, being re-elected mm. to the, the RLEF board, uh, which is disappointing. Um, you can yeah. go- you can go back and listen to him in episode 36, Footy in the Land of the Trebojevic, friend of the show, Colin Clayweg. But what I do understand is, although he's off this board, he'll still be obviously involved in Serbia and Red Star, but I, right. I understand he may now be taking up a role as chair of a steering committee, which will be exploring a potential European club competition. So not to be confused with Euro 13s, this will be that professional Euro competition that they, the RLEF spoke about when Euro 13s was first launched uh-huh. and he'll be he's sort of been in charge of this for a little while it's been his pet project in fact he spoke about it on episode 48 of our podcast as well big man how to say dragon in French so go back and listen to these I'm going to mention a few pods so go back and listen to these if you haven't already but I think you're Colin's, killing this um, back catalogue mate thing well done just advertising mate it's, it's you you promoting Mascot Browns I'm promoting the back catalogue 
but uh, we're, we're getting organised after it's almost the end of two seasons. But yeah, mm-hmm. Colin, I think definitely the man for this job and I think he's going to do some great things and hopefully he can, he can find some key learnings and the potential European club competition will be in full motion before we know it. Now, one... God, I would love that. Very, how cool would it be? Very sad to see Colin off the board, but... Another friend of the of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast has been elected to the board. So Welsh uh, Rugby League Chairman, Mr. Brian Julliffe. So you can listen to him all the way back on episode one of the uh, official International Rugby League podcast. <laughs> the very same one where uh, Mr. Naif Abisad, who, I'm in, who you'll hear from a little bit later. So they were both on that first episode. It was a great chat. So Brian, congratulations. He's now on the uh, RLF board. So some exciting elections there, mate. Yeah, and, you know, politics isn't particularly interesting, but uh, this is like rugby league politics. So it's great to see people getting a chance to doing some things, and it's great to see Colin still involved because we know he's great and and a great person to have around rugby league and its organisation. So, um, yeah, congratulations to everyone, and I hope everyone is happy with the work that they do. The biggest key learning I got from all of that, big guy, is that everyone is uh, friends of Chasing Kangaroos, no matter who they are. If they're coming in, coming out, if they're on the board, off the board, Whatever, they're friends of the show. So that's. Uh... So if you want to do well in European Rugby League, the first thing is to call Michael Carboni and see if he can set you up with a spot. Well, you, how'd that work out for you, Big T? You getting there? We're getting this, there. You're going to get your, what is it, the award for services to rugby? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> On this, the day of your daughter's wedding, you're going to tell me get a AOB. Um, the big one, though, and you've kind of, yeah, we've kind of mentioned this. We didn't really mention this last week, actually, sorry, but we've heard a bit about it. So there was an article on Total RL last week. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it, big guy. And look, I'm going to start by saying I love the website, Total RL. I love their forum. I, I don't comment on the forum, but I do read it every now and then to see what's going on. Um, but there was an article last week doing the rounds. It was called Italians Press for Changed European Voting Rights. Did you read that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Basically, I don't know if you read the whole thing in detail, big guy, but they basically said that up to nine countries led by Italy were going to back a resolution to change the constitution at the AGM to, quote, clean up an undemocratic voting process. So Mm. basically, to explain that, to, and I know we're getting political again, but the way it currently works is nations like England and France have greater voting powers than affiliate members of the RLEF, for example. And together, the RFL, so who represent the UK, obviously, and the FFR, who represent France, have a, have combined rights to veto any any motions that they don't like or, or what have you. So basically, like this article was suggesting that up to nine countries are look are, are calling that whole process undemocratic. Now, look, views are my own, as you say all the time, Big T. But I kind of think <laughs> I kind of think the voting system's fair because. I know it may, like in terms of numbers, there's 30 nations. So why should one nation, when you look at it like that on black and white paper, why should one nation have more votes or more power than another? But the thing is, like, there are, in terms of sheer number of players, the RFL and FFR, like, account for a huge majority of the RLEF, like, player base. Um, a lot of the money does come from those two organizations. Like, they still fund a lot of the RLEF as well. So it's kind of only fair and democratic that they do get more of the voting rights. So and, and look, the nations voted in 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 favour of the old way as well. So um, it turns out the proposed resolution was heavily voted against. We would call it a shellacking, to use my words. <laughs> I think I think only two nations voted in favour of the amendment. And to be honest, another reason why I'm I'm calling out the article from um, Total RL as bullshit. 
uh, is that I don't think Italy even voted in favour. And they were like the main, the article was all about Italy being this force for change and all that sort of thing. So it wasn't the case. So like I said, total IRL, love you guys, but that article... Kind of rubbish, but yeah. So I don't know. That's all I'm going to say about the politics, big man. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a pretty big swipe for you because if you're one of the nicest guys in rugby league as well, so that must have really uh, struck a chord with you that you'd, you'd want to come out and say that about them. Man, I try. We try and be very positive, especially about like at this level of rugby league. Like we try and be as positive as we can and share the news as best as we can. But sometimes I just read things and I don't know. Like I I feel like there's not a lot of information out there about this sort of stuff. And I feel like like you and I, we get to hear and speak to a lot of people that are involved in this sort of thing. So we know a little bit more than most. So when I, I read an article like that, I just think like, fuck, like oh, we, gotta, we have a platform to set the record straight. And maybe, and, and look, maybe the person who wrote it just didn't understand the situation or didn't quite have the full picture. And, you know, I think maybe in the past, you know, anyone could have made mistakes like that. Maybe we have, but. I just think, you know, it's it's our duty to kind of call it how we see it and, and, you know, it's important because a lot of people listen to us for this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be – you're calling me – maybe I'm not the nicest guy in rugby league or anything like that, but I, um, no, I just no, want to no, be no, – no. I want to be the most honest guy at this level. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, no, no, no. I'm certainly not saying what you're saying, what you're doing is unfair or, or anything like that. I was just um, – Taken aback, but uh, no, I agree with you. It, there's so little news out there that it's it's important to get the news the news right, and that um and that one in hindsight doesn't look like it was on the money, but yeah, maybe they got a bum steer from one of their contacts or something. I'm not sure. Potentially, and that that happened. I'm sure that happens all the time at all levels of sport and rugby yeah. league in yeah. particular as well. And journalism. And yeah. journalism. Final um final mini golden point for the from the RLFAGM big guy. This one is close to my heart as well. Very important, I think. So. This one comes from, there was a America's and an MEA session of the RLEF as well. So basically for anyone that doesn't understand it, currently there are two confederations in under International Rugby League and they are, of course, Asia Pacific Rugby League and the RLEF, the Rugby League European Federation. They pretty much look after everyone and there was a time when that's all we needed because most teams, most nations that played rugby league were in sort of the Pacific um, or in Europe. But as our listeners know, there are more and more American nations in particular, mm. African nations in particular that are playing the game, more and more Asian nations that are playing the game as well. So the game is spreading. And what has happened in the last few years is if you're basically from North America, your nation fits into the European Federation, which sounds strange, mm. but that's the only mm. option they had. South Americans fit into the Asia Pacific. Uh, Central Americans, I think, go north, uh, but they can sort of maybe sometimes choose. African nations go to the RLEF as well, um, except I think for South Africa, who go to Asia Pacific. So it's wow. it's it's crazy, not crazy, but really, there's you know there was no yeah. other way to do it. Uh, there was no other choice. You know, we had two confederations. So yeah. the, a big talking point over the last couple of years has been the need for two new confederations, namely the Americas Rugby League. Mm. and the MEA Rugby League. So to, to give North America, South America their own confederation and give Africa and Middle East their own, or Middle East Africa sorry, yes. their own confederation as well. There has been talk for a while. So like it's this is one of those things that people say, oh, it should be happening. Why aren't they doing it? They've been trying to do it for a number of years. And we've mentioned before as well, last year at the um, International Rugby League Congress, they when they launched their rebrand, it did include four different coloured chevrons which would represent the four eventual confederations being 
Asia Pacific, Rugby League European, Middle East Africa and Americas. And that built, gained some more momentum at the RLEF AGM as well. So basically, oh, yeah, the Americas nations or the Americas nations from um, RLEF got together. They voted in favour of a of an Americas Rugby League. Uh, I believe Yay. the ME nation, MEA nations did the same thing as well. So what happens now, again, it's all process and politics, as as we know, Big T, but now there'll be a vote by the IRL, the International Rugby League, uh, next week, I think it's the 24th, um, to a point. And the decision they'll be making is whether or not it goes ahead. I think they will decide in favour of this going ahead. But what needs to happen next is they'll appoint a steering committee to explore the options moving forward. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. Because, of course, with this sort of thing, the big issue is always money. Um, do yep. we have enough money to, to support these initiatives? And as is often the case, we don't. So we need to be very careful about how we do it. Um, but I think the time is right. Um, it's going to be a good move for Rugby League and for the Americas and MEA in particular. So some very positive signs, uh, very positive steps coming out of the RLEF AGM uh, Zoom conference over the weekend. Chairman of the Americas. Nate Gladden, can't wait. <laughs> he would love that. Hey, he's definitely got my vote, Nate Gladden. I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if he'd want such a job, such a responsibility. But I think I don't he think he gets could be to for it. He doesn't. No, no, no. Well, it, yeah, it could, he, it could choose him. It'll choose him. That's right. It's already chosen him. <laughs> oh, we love you, Nate Gladden. But um, big yeah. man, that's that's I'm golden pointed out. Like for me, like I said, it was all about you know. There's a lot of other little stories in the rugby one. league world. Go follow us on the socials and and check those out. But I really just wanted to focus my attention on what was going on in Europe because um, we haven't been speaking much about Europe lately. So I just wanted to to yeah speak about that for a little while. Your um your Twitter account is really just a veneer of you being a sad Panthers fan, but your Instagram account is incredible, and so I do wholeheartedly endorse everyone to get around chasing kangaroos on Instagram because it, it's a fantastic uh, source of of information and great photos. Like it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Like me wearing my Italia gear. Well, it's, <laughs> it's that, but also <laughs> it, also just a shout out on trying to get Greek players and things like that. Anyway, I'm not going to give it away because people should just go and look at the Instagram account. Yeah, Even if you don't have Instagram, just get on it. And uh, follow that one account, and uh, you'll be happier. Join person Instagram, for it. follow us, and bump up our numbers yeah, as well. That'd be it. great. <laughs> All right, big man. Well, that's it from me this week, or uh, that's it from us for golden points for this week, anyway. Yeah. But but stay on, guys, because the chat I had with Naya Fabisad from Lebanese Rugby League, absolutely incredible. Um, it's a little bit different to what we normally do because obviously there was a little bit of a uh, like a world news sort of component with yeah. the Beirut, Beirut explosion. So yeah, different sort of interview. Um, I enjoyed the conversation. I always enjoy chatting to Naif. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it too. So, Big T, I'll see you next week. And fuck you, Nawadi. All right, Kangaroo Chasers. Well, a very special treat today. We've got uh, on the other line, all the way from Beirut in Lebanon, he's the CEO of the Lebanese Rugby League Federation, Mr. Naif Abisad. Welcome to Chasing Kangaroos. Hello. Hi, Michael. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be with you. Mate, it's great to speak again and... The last time we, we spoke was at the World Nines last year, which was incredible. But um, the last time you recorded a podcast with me was the very first episode of the official International Rugby League podcast, which um, which was incredible. It was great to meet you that night with a few of the others as well. But I'm gonna if, if there's any listeners listening to this right now that haven't heard that yet, it is on the archives, on the Chasing Kangaroos archives. It's episode one of the official International Rugby League podcast, and you'll find it in between episodes 40 and 41 of the regular Chasing Kangaroos episodes. 
Um, it was probably around last October, I believe. And it's important if you haven't listened to that to maybe go back and have a listen because some of the things we're going to touch on today sort of build upon the things that Naef we spoke about uh, last time. So it's it's just a bit of an important backstory. But um, there's, a, there's another reason we're here you're here with us today, mate, and obviously it's a rugby league podcast. We're going to talk about rugby league, or at least for 99% of the time. But I think it's very important also to talk about sort of what's happened, not only in the world, but over in, in Beirut recently. And our listeners will remember very vividly, they would have seen footage from the Beirut explosion in August. For me, Naif, like I saw it on the news, I saw it on the internet, I was horrified for you, you were, you know, 20 kilometers away. You heard it. Tell us a little bit about, about the moment and what it was like and what's, what sort of happened over there. Yeah, it was, it was kind of shocking, you know, like, and, and, uh, living in Lebanon, like, or being uh, born and raised in Lebanon, yeah. lived, like I'm almost 40 years in Lebanon, we're kind of unfortunately used to those kind of shock, but this one was a bit even bigger than than we expected you know i was like it, it was in the afternoon i was at my home and like suddenly we heard the first explosion and suddenly another big explosion and uh, out of experience because like there was an explosion in 2005 it was like 500 meters away from me it's like first thing you do you, see, you take up your phone and start calling because like within five minutes maybe most of the course might be jammed because everybody will be using the network. Yeah, well. So the first thing I did is start calling my my family to make sure that they are, they are all right. And uh, uh, thanks God, personally, my family was, was safe. But unfortunately, a lot of uh, fellow countrymen lost their life or were in agony or were yep. injured. You know, we all know like around 200 dead and more than 6,000 got injured in that uh, horrible event. Yeah. And the news started getting, uh, the news started getting, you know, like flooded and we started getting those uh, videos of the, of the explosion. And like the, the horror we saw, it was, it was crazy, man. It was, it was crazy. The, the, the next day, I went to my brother-in-law parents' house. Yep. It was very close to the explosion. We spent all day removing glass, shattered glass, and trying to patch some plastic on the windows and fixing stuff. You know, cleaning is like, you know, to 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 get there, to get there to walk among the rubbles and stuff. Uh, it's totally like totally different experience. You know, it's yeah. like you're visiting. A city for the first time, you know, but usually, if, let's say, if you travel touristically to a city, you know, you feel that feeling that you're visiting for the first time. Maybe when you're traveling for tourism, you'll be happy, but if you're traveling, going through that, it's like going to Beirut for the first time and feel this this, uh, this horrible feeling in inside of you. So it was crazy, and you can hear all the time, like... Uh, uh, paramedics cars taking injured people like yep. uh, sirens all the time uh, traffic was jammed because uh, some of the main road got blocked one of because uh, one of the main road to entrance to Beirut is just uh, like 200 meters away from the explosion so it was closed uh, it was crazy on the ground it was 
it was horrifying, Michael. I can't even begin to imagine. And like you say, it must have been like, like <laughs> not the city that you recognize, you know, it, it, it must have been insane. And I saw some footage and some photos of the people the day after, like cleaning the rubble and, and all together. And it was, it was actually like heartwarming to see the people respond so quickly and in such a way. And it's a real testament to the people of Lebanon, the people of Beirut, you know, that you all got together and, and you're trying to help your fellow fellow man and woman. And there's there's something special about that, you know, even in the tough times that the people come together. And I wonder, I kind of wonder, like, my first thought is when, when you first heard the noise, what did you think it was? What what was your first thought? Uh, the first uh, thought was I knew it was an explosion, and uh, uh, but I didn't know where where was it, you know, because the it it felt it felt close because like uh, as I told you before, like even in my house I had the cover of the shutter went down. Yeah, it's like twenty kilometers, so I thought it was it's nearer. It was nearer than I expected. Yeah, I thought it was like maybe around. Dubai or June, which is close, was very close to me. I never expected that big of an explosion to happen, like in in, in Beirut Harbor, you know. So it's kind of like what uh, when we start getting the picture and knew what happened. Uh, it's uh, I cannot explain it like probably find really the word, but uh, like on on a personal scale, I was born during the Lebanese War and the Lebanese world in 1980 and yep. kind of like uh, lived until I was 11 in, uh, in the civil war, Lebanese civil war. Then we had different wars, explosion, unrest in the country. Uh, it is a sad Lebanese story. Hopefully the future will be better. We always build on that or hope for that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, maybe because we are used to those kind of events, unfortunately, in Lebanon, our reaction would be a bit uh, different to hopefully you never feel anything like that. But yeah. for example, for people who, who don't have this uncertainty or this instability in their country, we kind of like react fast, look at it and know we're going to have to rebuild. We know we're going to have to fight again. It is. It is always a setback. A setback after a setback. But we'll go through it. It's gonna take some time. Yep. This one was like uh, bigger than expected. It's gonna take some time, but we're gonna rebuild again. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that too. And the the beauty is, like I said, the people are behind it, and I want to know how we can get behind it as well. So the sad thing for me is, you know, we saw it all happen. We saw video footage that week. But since then, we haven't heard much about it. We haven't, the cameras aren't back to show us the rebuild or show us what's the aftermath or show us what's sort of going on now. And, but obviously there's still a rebuild happening and it's going to take time, as you said. And I want to sort of shine a light on that and, and sort of, you know, the Chasing Kangaroos family, the rugby league family, it's a very special family and we want to try and help as best as we can. So I understand the Lebanese Rugby League Federation, you guys have, um, you guys have a fundraiser uh, to help support um, the rebuild of Beirut, um, and did you want to share those details with us and and let the let the rugby league family know how we can how we can help or how we can support? Uh, we established uh, yep we established a fund to for to help the first responders, like me because uh, like at the first at the first hours there was a lot of uh, help yep. coming to humanitarians, 
and like a lot of people donating uh, food, clothes, building material and stuff. And uh, we have the mainly the fireworker, the firefighters here in Lebanon are always the weakest link when it comes to funding. They are always the people who get the less funding. So we decided to 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 help this uh, to help the firefighters because honestly, honestly, they deserve it. They had uh, they have uh, their fellow uh, their peers lost their life even though they were still you know searching the rubbles, trying to find survivors, trying to put up fire. So for say like heads off to those uh, to those uh, like uh, heroes that were working and people would sometimes you know, forget a bit about them. So uh, there was a lot of donation going to a lot of uh, uh, NGOs, to a lot of uh, uh, causes, and we chose a certain cause. Hopefully we can help them uh, uh, and, like, help them rebuild, because also, even though they, uh, yeah, not even though, like, they lost a lot of lives, and yet also they lost materials. And if you can help, uh, and if you can help the firefighters, those people with the right materials going to help people in the future and the rescue more people in the future yep. uh, in any kind of example, uh, in any kind of incidents, fires, uh, you know, destruction, anything that uh, that will happen. That's why we chose the firefighter for our cause. Excellent. Well, we'll provide, um, there's a link where our listeners can support if they choose to. We'll provide that link in the show notes. And yeah, we do encourage the Rugby League family to, you know, even if you don't donate, maybe share it. And, you know, you never know, like, we've got to spread the word and there is still help that is needed. So yeah. let's, let's support. I would the- like to thank, to thanks in advance anybody who <laughs> donate or anybody who shares or spread the word. We would be, we would be grateful. And uh, thank you. Sensational, mate. Look, let's, let's talk about rugby league. The reason that, uh, the reason we record this podcast. And I want to talk a little bit about domestic rugby league and international rugby league. A lot has happened since we last spoke, but also, a lot hasn't happened since we last spoke because of this other this other worldwide problem, which is uh, this COVID nineteen pandemic. But let's let's go back to domestic rugby league in Lebanon. And last time we spoke, you guys held a pilot season. Um, there were a few clubs involved at senior level, and a, a court case was coming to its conclusion. So there were some clubs that were on side with the Lebanese Rugby League Federation, and there were other teams that that weren't. Can you, that's that's come to a conclusion now, and I believe everyone's sort of back together. Can you can you shed some light on that and let us know where all the clubs are right now? Technically speaking, there's no such club that are on the side or outside. The the, the Lebanese Rugby League Federation is uh, uh, is owned by all those clubs. Yeah, it's like to be to be you know the federation uh, in our system. We are a sports NGO according to the Lebanese law. All the clubs form the uh, general assembly for the for this uh, for this federation. So uh, there was like that dispute or something. I was like, uh, I'm not gonna call it dispute. Maybe I'll call it misunderstanding or yep. lack of communication between the board or the clubs themselves and everything. As you know, the investigation came and all the practice uh, all the practices was were cleared. You know of any wrongdoing. Yep. But good news never travel. Always, always bad news travel faster. Yeah. Yep. So people didn't know, didn't really react to it or knew about it. Uh, as I said from day one, we are always open to work with all the clubs. We have contact with some of the with 
one of the clubs and there it was a very positive talk very very positive talk with them hopefully we're going to sort things out very very soon enough and we'll be back uh, we'll be back uh, on track that we're supposed to be to be on we had contact for with the clubs for like the for this uh, year for the championship but still we are uh, the Minister of Youth and Sports suspending all official activities yep. uh, because of the pandemic. And uh, we're hoping to see if we can have uh, some unofficial activity. It's like some social event, but we also need to take in consideration the COVID pandemic because we do not want to endanger anybody or anything. We're hoping... The, the cases drop a bit uh, and we'll be able to to manage that because also it's not like uh, even the explosion helped increase the rate of uh, people affected by COVID-19. Yes. You believe it or not, you had like 12,000 or 15,000 people rushing to hospitals without being tested, without any precaution. Uh, yep, yep. Kind of also like help raise the number. So it's all uh, it's all depending. Now we are starting our negotiation with the uh, with the universities to see if uh, uh, what's their program regarding their uh, sports activity with the clubs. Also, we had uh, we had a uh, uh, few meetings with the, with the clubs regarding that. It's all depend now on the decision of the Ministry of, of Youth and Sport when they're gonna. Uh, allow us to restart or do all the activities we can. Is is there any indication at all of when that might be or do they have a plan in place or is it kind of wait and see for now? For now, it's kind of wait, of, uh, wait uh, and see for the time being. So uh, our, our progress, uh, programs are ready. You know, we, we, uh, we have the structure and the infrastructure for everything. As soon as we have a green light, we can, we can start, you know, you know, because uh, mainly like our championship are played on certain fields you know what I mean it's not like uh, yep. we have uh, 18 teams on different fields and you have to find the logistics and everything so we can be ready to, to launch any competition without ten, within 10 days it's all depend on when you get the green light for the Ministry of Sport uh, of Youth and Sports yep Yep. Okay. Last time we spoke, and I'll take listeners back a little bit. So last time we spoke, the plans in place for this year domestically, you were talking about, you know, two divisions at university level. You're talking about a schools championship in February, and you're talking about the Lebanese rugby league club championship beginning in May. Now, obviously none of that happened because of COVID-19 or it may have sort of started, but then stopped. But uh, is are things pretty much on pause and ready to start again once once you're able to play, is that kind of the situation? Yeah, the it's all it's, uh, it's it is a situation because like uh, I'm not sure about the university championship. We we might play two division or one. It all yep. depends on the on uh, on the university's willingness to participate this year or say we're gonna uh, hold for one year participate next year. We kind of like always try to find an alternative of uh, organizing maybe nice tournament or some touch tournaments yeah, yeah. so we can keep the keep the players uh, and the athletes in uh, and the spirit of the game yeah uh, this is for the university for the clubs uh, clubs should be ready to participate 
whenever you have a green light, because at the end, uh, according to the law, now if you do any official game, we might be uh, breaking the the law, which is we don't want we do not want that, and we do not want to get any, get any fines. We cannot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we cannot handle any fines right now. <laughs> Understandable. So we're gonna. We're ready, and it's all depend on when we get the green light. Sensational. So, and what are the players doing? Are players training? Are you in? Are you in dialogue with the clubs? Are, are they? What yeah, are they doing some, to prepare? Some some clubs some clubs are training by themselves. Some clubs uh, are like uh, having uh, even universities are some universities are starting to train because they start. Now around the yesterday actually the old university started. Yep. Uh, some universities are having uh, online courses, so it uh, it all depend it all depend to see what kind of activity they're allowed to clubs. Some clubs are training by themselves in the gym. Some clubs are training as uh, team training maybe once a week or twice a week. So there is some activity, but officially it's not like uh, we were used to. Yeah, and I assume. You know, this is not unique to rugby league. Every sport is in the same boat over there in Lebanon. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, every sport because uh, it's not the only problem we're facing with the COVID nineteen. Also, with the with the with the economic situation in Lebanon, it's it's really it's really paralyzing all all the sports. So it's like kind of we have the basketball championship, which is uh, basketball is one of the it's the number one sports in Lebanon. It's been halted. Uh, because of the economic situation, the football activities also stopped because of the economic and the COVID, both of them, of the COVID-19. So yep. all the sports in Lebanon are now on hold. The Ministry of Youth and Sports allowed some of the like individual sports, like tennis or something like that, to have some activity. Yep. But uh, team team sports, it's still a, uh, still a big no for uh or the Ministry of Youth and Sports. Yep, yep. It's incredible to see. We we see what's going on, or well, here in Australia, where I am anyway, we obviously know what's going on with our sports. We see what's going on in the US and in parts of Europe, but we, we don't see this. We don't see what's happening in Lebanon too often. So it's interesting for you to shine that light um, and so we can understand that. I wish you well because we can't I, afford to have a bubble, a bubble championship. <laughs> no, no, it can't be. You can't have a bubble <laughs> Lebanese federation. Are, are you, uh, are you guys watching any NRL over there, or is there any way you can do that, or even some Super League? Are, the, are, the, are you guys able yeah, to catch that? No, actually, no. I'm not watching these days any any activity. Yeah. Even though I have the the application, but I'm not being able. I'm I'm looking at the scores from time to time. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you've got other things to worry about as well. So that's obviously. Um, let's move on to talk a little bit about international rugby league, and I'll take you back to the last time I saw you, mate. Was at the at the nines, and what an incredible event that was, and. I think you were like I spent a little bit of time with you there, and from memory, Lebanon won their first couple of um of group matches, and you guys were so excited. Like I had like the passion that I saw from yourself, your coaching staff, and your players was was second to none. And I got to hang out, I got to hang around most of the squads during that event. Um, talk to me a little bit about that event and how important it was, especially considering the sort of international, the rugby league landscape at the time, because there was a lot of um, controversy around of some of the heritage players versus what you guys were doing. And like you mentioned earlier, a little bit of misunderstanding. So tell us a little bit about how important that nines tournament was and, and what it meant to, to win those first couple of games. Uh, 
for for me any event that put Lebanon on the on the world map of any sports it's something it's something wonderful. Uh, being participating in a in a championship where you have the the giants of the game, and being being having Lebanon being among those giants, it's something uh, second to none for us. You know what I mean. So standing over there, uh, seeing the Lebanese flag, you know, uh, floating next to the to the big names of the game, it's uh, it's it's and it is the pride of any of any athlete or it's the pride of any professional in sport that works in in management or or coaching or anything yep. for sport and beating France then beating England uh, that was. That was crazy, man. That, that was that was, I was like a kid in a candy store for myself. Yeah, you know, watching watching that game. Uh, I always think whenever we have to represent Lebanon, all differences have to be put aside. Yeah, anything anything that might hurt the game should be resolved either in election or behind closed in an open dialogue. Yeah, not out on the media, not out of slandering or spreading lies. I'm not going to say the federation or the Pacific Federation are uh, didn't do any mistake or just uh, you know like they're doing everything right. Everybody works. Uh, he's going to do every federation. Every per- person who works, he's going to do mistake. Remember that Lebanon was, and for the first time after 20 uh, after 2000 in the World Cup, so it was like a new. Uh, it was kind of like a how to say it like. A new experience and a new uh, environment yep. uh, for for Lebanon. It's not like it's our like seventh World Cup and we're uh, yep. we're doing we're doing uh, we're repeating the same job or repeating the same mistake. I all I'm always as I said before I'm always open for any dialogue. Anybody who wants to participate to to join, but everything has to be done and according to the to a general plan to a general understanding and. Uh, and like, let's have an open mind about how we're going to see the future. We have already placed our strategy for the next uh, three or four years. Every, everything should be working according to plan, except, you know, with all the things that happen now, because we yeah. have like changed our, because uh, we have like put some KPIs for our, for, to, to measure our, our job. What happened now, kind of like, have, we have to change our KPIs in order to, to see the, the, the progress that we are doing. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, again, I said when Lebanon is playing, all the problems should be put aside, and everybody should be working together. We cannot go. I can. I can. I can now on the podcast use this podcast to speak about the problem, but it's not the way forward. The way forward is finding a solution, not talking back and back and back and back about the problem. This, yeah, this is the way I see it. I would like to use this opportunity to ask anybody who has any problem or anything or any question, I'm willing to sit, discuss everything and find a solution. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you were the same when we first spoke on, on that International Rugby League podcast and I was I was amazed to hear it or, uh, you know, I was uh, you opened my eyes, that's for sure, at the time because all we heard back then here in Australia in particular was some of the some stories from the heritage based players your Robbie Farrers etc and like you said there might have been a bit of a misunderstanding there but what i find interesting and i shouldn't be surprised and we sort of spoke about this off air earlier but 
when there was negative negativity, the press were all over it. You know, Lebanese Rugby League was on the back page of newspapers here in Sydney, you know, and since then there's been an investigation into into what happened and into the allegations. And a few weeks ago, it was all proven to be false and Lebanese Rugby League Federation was, you know, proven to not have done anything wrong there. But none of that was, was really reported over here in Sydney and, and I'm not too sure what it was like anywhere else, but it's 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 not funny. Funny's not the right word for it, but it's just um I shouldn't be shocked that negative news makes the back page but positive news doesn't. And I just wanted to let you speak about that as well. And you know, the findings have come out false. Lebanon, you guys are, are still in charge of rugby league domestically in Lebanon and the and the national team. And you mentioned the four year, five year plan, which is kind of on pause now, but are you able to tell us a little bit about what that plan includes or included and and what we can expect to see from from Lebanese rugby league in the next five years? Uh, yep, yep. I can I can talk about that. Let's start first about the the good news and the bad news. Like the good news never travels, man. Like yeah, I told you before. The uh, surprisingly, were uh, the the Lebanese case were bigger than the origins. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's the first time that happened in the <laughs> uh, in the history in the Australian history. Yep. I guess. Uh, People sometimes get misinformed. People sometimes get uh, uh, people sometimes like hold grudges or spread some lies. There is a saying that uh, says, "A lie becomes the truth whenever it's published." So again, I'm not gonna go there. I said like the federation uh, or the previous federation had done some mistakes during their their management management, which is something. Is something you know it's normal or it's something it's human yeah to, to to say about that people didn't uh, really uh, talk about the, the the international investigation uh maybe because the news doesn't sell uh, more papers uh, yeah. or stories or uh, headlines you know uh, ads uh, it is what it is let's not let's not uh, look at it and our and our and our plan our plan, what we're planning to do, is like to increase the the number of the of the of the members in Lebanon by increasing clubs, by increasing academies. Now we started working on uh, on academies in Lebanon. Hopefully, we're, we're kind of changing the approach. Academies to to teach rugby league yep. here. We're trying to minimize the cost as much as we can, so we can uh, have more more places or uh, target more uh, more more areas. Yep. We're preparing for the next World Cup. We are also like, as you said, like the domestic uh, domestic championship. We had like Mia championship. We wanted to work on, but it's what got uh, suspended. Yep. yep. Postponed because uh, the pandemic. Kind of is like now. It's uh, I don't know. It's like a lot of our plans that we're working on is being uh, kind of like hit uh, a road bump. It's uh, yep. And kind of like we have to wait. We're we're ready for uh, to go like to go the full way, but we still need to have this green light to start again. Yeah, and that's understandable. You know, the whole world's hit a speed bump. The whole world's on pause in many respects. So, I think it just maybe gives you guys a little bit of time to think and prepare and and focus on some other things as well. But I want to talk a little bit about the international side and MEA's postponed and it's happening next year. And we're leading into a World Cup year next year, which is obviously very important. And you're going to be very proud to see Lebanon there once again. But what is the, you know, the 
The strength of the Lebanese team has always been in the mixture of domestic players and the heritage players from here in Australia. And there's sometimes some some interesting feelings between the two sides, but and we saw that last year there were some 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 hard feelings, I suppose, as well. But has that been resolved? Like, what do you what who do you expect to see most of the heritage players putting their hand up to play for Lebanon at the World Cup next year? And do you think things are resolved in that respect? Of course, it's going to be a result. First, uh, uh, personally, I hate this word heritage player. Yep. For for me, for me, they're all Lebanese. Yep. Whoever, whoever putting on this jersey is a Lebanese. Yeah, I love that. Besides having, besides having, having a, a grandparent or being parents Lebanese, like for me, he is a Lebanese. Unfortunately, sometimes the law here is not fair for a, for a woman being a Lebanese and not being giving the nationality to her to her uh, to her offspring. Mm. I think it's not fair. Yeah. But for me, all of all of us are Lebanese whether uh, yep. we are based in Lebanon or we are based in Australia. As a federation in Lebanon, our job is to develop the game in Lebanon. So sometimes sometimes the flair or the finances are going more into the Cedars national team, which is affecting our growth in Lebanon. Yep. This is something we should we should like really, really, really uh, consider and to, to talk about. Because like uh, let's say I'm giving like rough or like whatever figures, you know, kind of like yep. you cannot like spend a hundred thousand dollar on national team and come say we're gonna spend ten thousand dollar on the uh, local league. Yeah, it doesn't for work. Us, for, for, for us, our main job is to develop the game in Lebanon. Uh, our players, our Lebanese players who are based in Australia, we look at them in pride. We are happy when they step up and want to play for Lebanon, for their country. It's not like they're playing for me or for anything. They are playing for their country, the country of their own and the country of their ancestors, if you want to use the heritage again. But it is, it is something that, that they have to look into it. I cannot go and spend a lot of money in Australia because it's not my job to develop the game in Australia. Yep. I don't have the finances to develop the, the, the game in Australia nor the manpower, nor anything. The, nation, the Lebanese national team is being sometimes a platform for those uh, Lebanese, uh, our countrymen who are living in Australia, for them, a platform for them to shine and let the professional team see them and see their performance. And we are very happy to provide that. It's not something like uh, we're not happy about. At the end, we any Lebanese all around the world that, do something wonderful. We are proud of him. It's not like we are jealous or or, or of it, you know. Yep. Like here in Lebanon, there's this general feeling. If you have like uh, people who are ecstatic when uh, when a, uh, a guy from Lebanese heritage were elected, I guess the, the president of the Dominican Republic. So it is it is kind of like a national pride, you know, for us seeing successful Lebanese uh, doing great. Uh, around around the world, there was this uh, saying before that uh, they used to say like uh, the British Empire are the is the uh, they used to say that like British Empire is the empire that never uh, there's always sun above it. Yep. And one guy said the Lebanese people are the only people in the world who has always sun above them because <laughs> we are spread it all, of, all, all 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 over the world. Yeah. You know somehow we have like six thousand Lebanese descendants, six million Lebanese descendants in Brazil. Yeah. 
which is <laughs> which is a, a bit like uh, unusual. Yeah. Uh, this is this something. This is something. Uh, all Lebanese based in Australia should should have a have a say or have a look at it. Our job is also is mainly to develop the game in Lebanon, not not in Australia. But when uh, our Lebanese players are playing for the national team, we're going to do everything in order to cater their needs, put them in the best environment to represent their country the best way possible. This has always been kind of like a kind of rift, maybe, but looking forward, it should not be, it shouldn't be anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so what sort of help do you need from the Australian-based Lebanese here? Because when, I'll take you back to the nines again, but I, I remember very vividly, like there were, there were two or three nations outside of Australia who were very well supported, and they were Tonga, Samoa, and Lebanon. There were Lebanese flags everywhere. So like you say, the Lebanese people, whether they're it's through an ancestry or not, they're very similar to the islander nations over here. They, they are very proud of their heritage, and, and Lebanese people are Lebanese people, no matter if they were born there or their parents were born there or their grandparents were born there. I believe that. I've seen that firsthand. So how do you balance out, you know, you mentioned like some, some figures that you threw out there and I agree with you, like there's, it should, that shouldn't be the case. Most of the money shouldn't be spent every four years. It should sort of be spread out and we should be helping build rugby league domestically in Lebanon. So what do you need to happen or what sort of support do you need? What, how do you see that happening in the future? I see it by like, uh, it's not about only uh, uh, financial support. I also see it about more like uh, educational support. I see it also about like you know experience support. I see it maybe have some uh, some of the Lebanese like kind of like foster some of the, our players that can go practice there. Not like with the uh, not there was NRL team maybe like first like like second division or third division teams. You know like help them build more uh, more experience. Uh, having people come play here in Lebanon. Maybe having people. Uh, support supporting the, the local clubs that that are in Lebanon. Yeah, maybe by uh, buying their jerseys online or anything, you know, kind of like uh, or like any if we can have memorabilia or or training shirts or anything like showing different support for for uh, for those teams because like as if those people are also supporting like the uh, let's say like the Lebanese Rugby League Federation social media. Yeah, also help those team uh, also help those. Uh, the local clubs by supporting maybe adding follow to some of the local clubs you know on their social media, social media code because of those clubs can get better sponsorship deals can get more it's it's all about like there's a lot of uh, way they, they can support not just financially yeah emotionally shares anything it would be great it would be great because uh like local club, you won't believe. Like some of the local club annual budget is around maximum ten thousand US dollars. Mm. A lot of them, unfortunately, like uh, like live uh, in very very like uh, it's not the best economic situation. And they go there, they play the game. You know what I mean? Kind of like it used to be the uh, the clash of the classes in. Uh, in England, when the game started, a lot of them maybe they have to work. If they get injured, they they have to stop working. Yeah, those kind of stuff supporting. Like I would say, if they can support the local clubs, the local clubs help support the local clubs. 
it would be great. It would be great to help support the local clubs. I'm not asking uh, for financial support for the federation or anything. We all know uh, uh, that uh, when the, when the Cedars step on the field, we're going to have thousands of people, if not hundred thousand of people, cheering for for our country. Yeah. But also we need support for the local clubs, for the uh, for the local players, because uh, maybe not in five to ten years we can have. Uh, uh, professional players coming out of, uh, from Lebanon. Hopefully we can, being a bit realistic. But if we can support our local clubs and so we can have a better uh, class, a better environment for our players, uh, for our players based in Lebanon, uh, it would be huge. It's a great point. And I say it all the time, we need visibility. We need to see, you know, the sport being played everywhere. And that's what this podcast is all about, telling people about what's going on, things they didn't know were happening and and shining a light on those things. Nay, if I'm going to ask you to, um, after we get off the phone here, if you can share with me maybe the Facebook or social media pages of each of the clubs, I'll share those and I'll encourage our listeners to to go and follow each of those and, and show their support that way because I think that's a great idea, mate. And yeah, it's a, it's a good start anyway. Mate, um, there's been plenty to talk about, lots of negative, lots of positive as well, though. I think the future's actually bright for Lebanese Rugby League. And you, you had a court case, which we joke around and say that once a, once the Rugby League Federation has had their court case and won, that they're truly a Rugby League Federation. And you guys have been through it. And, um, mate, is there, is there anything uh, before we do go that you wanted to, to share? And, and, of course, we'll share the links to the, the Beirut Explosion Foundation as well. But is there anything yeah. else you wanted to share before we end this fascinating discussion? No, I'm going to reiterate on the point that we need to stick together. We are a, uh, we are a very emotional people. We are uh, Lebanese people are very emotional. They are driven by their emotions, uh, which is something great. But sometimes it's kind of like uh, we rush into we rush into conclusion. So again. Uh, uh, we are here in the Federation, and me personally, I'm ready to discuss any problem, uh, to find a solution, not to uh, create other problems, in order to have a better game, a better future for the game, and uh, be, hopefully, uh, progress more and more in the, in the international competition. Hopefully, this year, we can go to the semi-final. This year, we were in the quarter-finals, so... <laughs> Hopefully this year we can uh, get one step go further. to the semi-final. Yeah, step further. Always, always dream big. Semi-final, final. Hopefully win it. <laughs> it's going to be tough. You know, like uh, there was this uh, Italian uh, a coach that used to uh, coach a club in Serie A. Once he suspended this player for saying, I came to play. He said, you should have said, we came to win. Yeah. So, <laughs> so... Uh, we always play to win. We always play to entertain the people. We always play uh, to raise our flag high and high. And this is what should count. Not uh, not uh, tiny details. Not uh, no problems, no anything. Even and especially after what's happening in Lebanon, uh, with the crisis, with the pandemic, with the explosion, we need to be more uh, more united than ever and uh, give the best image, or as uh, should I say, the real image of Lebanon, not the stereotyped image of yeah. our country. Yeah, that's beautiful, mate. That's very well said. And thank you for joining me 
uh, to tell your story once again. Hopefully we get to speak again soon. Maybe we'll get to see each other at a World Cup or another World Nines event or something like that. I really hope that happens. And, mate, I wish you all the best. Hopefully the competition... You should come, you should come and visit our country, man. I would, the World Cup. I would love we'll to. Give you, we'll, give, <laughs> we'll give you an amazing experience here in Lebanon. We have some amazing food, amazing places to go. Uh, we have good beaches, not like the Australian one, but we have good beaches also. You'll, <laughs> yep. you'll experience the Mediterranean Sea. You'll experience uh, some of the lovely places in the mountains, man. Also, I would like to take this opportunity to invite people to come to Lebanon because if they come to Lebanon, they can support our economy and support the country overall. Mate, that would be sensational. I'm going to accept that invitation once the world goes back to normal a little bit and we can and we can travel a little bit more. But Of course, of course. Naif Abisad, it's been incredible as always, mate. I look forward to speaking to you again and thank you for chasing kangaroos with me. Thank you, thank you.